1: Hello, Serie A fan. Juventus, flavour of the month. Last month. and no-look back past adds to Pillo's newfound woes in Porto. But let's not dwell on the past. There's fireworks ahead. The Milan rivalry is red-hot ahead of the Derby. It's Inter take top spot after Milan lose to Spezia. We discuss all of that, plus a punch-up for gardening, the new king of the bongos, in this episode of Scudetto. <music> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Scudetto your weekly roundup of top-flight Italian football. And we've all been keeping an eye on the Italian teams in Europe this midweek, which we'll be talking about. But, Boaz, do not worry. We haven't forgotten about what happened last weekend. So we'll be talking about that as well. And also looking ahead to the big games that are coming this weekend, namely the Milan derby and Atalanta versus Napoli. So plenty for us to get through. Uh, But first, let's catch up with the squad. Uh, Boaz, how are you doing? How's your week been?
0: I'm doing very well. I got my second vaccination this week.
1: So I know that podcasting is obviously very important work, but I imagine it doesn't qualify you as a key worker. How have you managed to get access to that so early?
0: Israel is quite ahead of the curve. And also they uh, sent a tweet to Scudetto Pod saying they were big fans and they really needed me
1: to try this vaccination.
2: Is Viola Club Israel in charge of the uh, vaccination? Program?
1: <laughs> it could be, I don't know number one scudetto fan roberto baggio that's what i heard so anyway have you got a beer i, d- I do
0: unfortunately my beer saga continues uh we won't mention it it's getting quite tedious but
1: uh i've i found a local ipa called the hero good news kenny how are you doing what's going on in scotland this week
2: I'm good. I'm good. Nothing as exciting as uh, as being vaccinated. Uh, my mum and dad are getting vaccinated tomorrow, though. But I do have, uh, yeah, it's been an eventful week for, for lockdown-related reasons. Uh, I found out my car battery was dead and my boiler broke down after two weeks of freezing weather. Both fixed now. So, uh, yeah, back back to normal. Uh, other than that, no real excitement. Just sat indoors looking at the same four walls. And city. So, yeah, A football, of course.
1: Yeah, good to have that to break up the days. And have you got a beer to tell us about?
2: I do, I do. I've got uh, a beer from Drygate Brewing Company, who are the brewers of the uh, much-ridiculed disco forklift truck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This one, however, however, is uh, called Crossing the Rubicon. It's a West Coast IPA. I haven't tasted it yet, but I'll taste it now.
1: Good stuff.
2: That name sounds familiar. Are you sure you haven't had it before? I don't remember having it before. I remember seeing it a lot.
1: I do remember something with Rubicon in the name, actually. Didn't, wasn't that one of yours, though, Baz?
0: I think it wasn't one of mine, but we, I, I, I pre, I'm pretty sure we Googled the word as well. We'll check the archive. Highbrow podcasting.
2: I can tell you that it tastes pretty strong. It's 6.9%, so maybe that's why I don't remember. But it, 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 <laughs> it, it tastes quite nice, but quite strong.
1: Good. Good to know. Yeah, speaking of cold weather, actually, I've had quite a fun day. I've walked across the bay, uh, which is obviously all frozen over. The sea's frozen here at least out to a certain depth and visited Soirasari which is like a, a little island in the bay of Helsinki it was, it was quite nice for a couple of kilometers walking across ice saw some people ice fishing but in terms of a beer I've got something called IPA the Shiba it's from Etko Brewery and it's named after the brewery dog it's pretty good it, it tastes quite it kind of tastes like rice snacks it's got kind of umami flavors I'm enjoying it so far
0: Strange pitch, but uh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, that's enough nonsense. Uh, Let's get on to the football. Um, I think we're going to start off by talking about Juventus because we all watched Juventus last night um, and kind of shocked defeat to Porto. They ended up getting the away goal, uh, but they were 2-0 down at one point, brought it back to 2-1. But I think, first of all, we want to talk about the game against Napoli uh, Kenny, with well, the first point we've got written here is Killini madness, referring, of course, to the penalty that he gave away. Um, what what did you make of this game? It, it it did seem like Juventus kind of threw this one away a little bit.
2: Yeah, it was it was self-destruct, and uh, I think this is uh, it's been a theme of uh, the last couple of games, really. That Juve just haven't got going in in the first half, and they've they've paid for it. But yeah, an absolute moment of madness from Killini has has cost them. Really, Juventus didn't didn't have that much to to deal with other than uh, other than the penalty. Um They'll be they'll be very very disappointed to to have lost this. I mean, we I, is this every single week we use the word roller coaster. Here we are again. Uh, I think last week we were talking about how finally finally they seem to have found some sort of consistency and they've gone and lost two games that they shouldn't have uh, that they shouldn't have lost. Uh, and the the picture looks very very different again. Um, I think perhaps part of this is just it's just a fact that I think people are trying to change things up a little bit, uh, perhaps due to some sort of key personnel being unavailable. But they just don't really have the time in terms of preparing for games to to do that. And maybe now of all times, I, I hate to be the person that says just like keep it simple, four four two, etc. etc. But now. Possibly is the, is the time for that rather than, you know, chopping and changing. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, bit them quite hard uh, on, on this occasion. And yeah, two games in which a terrible first half uh, much better in the, the second half, but not enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, fair to say that they've been forced into some of these changes. They've got growing injury list, haven't they, Baz?
0: Yeah, it's not been uh, pretty, but at the same time, they're faced with uh, the same issues as most other clubs are. It's possible that Juventus have been missing players who are more important to their general uh, play. But as we've said at the beginning of the season, along with Inter, Juventus have the best squad. And uh, a lot of these injuries are in defence. And when you can call up the likes of Demiral or DeLicht to replace an injured centre-back, you really can't have many complaints.
2: Yeah, I think one of the really, really interesting uh, absences is uh, Arthur, who I know at the beginning... Um, didn't necessarily hit the ground running. But since the Atalanta game in mid-December, uh, he has missed five games in total. Uh, of those, Juve have lost four. So Fiorentina, Inter, Napoli, and now uh, Porto as well. And he the, every single game that he's been involved in, they have won. And I think it was very, very obvious that Juve were missing, not, not necessarily him, but a player like him, um, Last night in the the Porta game last night as we as we record, but um, yeah, just um, seems to really be the player that kind of keeps them ticking, or has become the player that keeps them ticking. So that is a particularly uh, yeah a p- particularly sore one, I guess, him being at.
1: Yeah, they were really struggling to win that midfield battle last night, weren't they? Um, but I mean, if we're going to talk about last night, I think we, we really we need to talk about the manner in which they conceded the goals, and particularly the first goal. I mean, I guess the question, I I said I was going to put the question to you today, is it ever acceptable to do a no-look back pass?
2: It is never acceptable to do a no-look back pass. It is especially not acceptable to do a no-look back pass when you're about 10 yards out from goal. Uh, It does have to be said as well that Chesney gave an absolute... Hospital pass to to Bintangur, but still doesn't still doesn't excuse uh, excuse what he did next. Um, and I think Oscar, we were talking before we recorded about how the the commentators on UK television uh, were were saying that he went on from that and had a had a great game. For me, for a half an hour after that, Bentancur was an absolute nervous wreck. I mean, he got dispossessed again in a very dangerous position. Not long afterwards. He kind of went on a decent run and then massively overhit a pretty simple through ball. He tried one of many Juve diagonal balls that went uh, about twenty yards over the the uh, byline. So, uh, yeah, uh, not uh, not didn't cover himself in glory. Let's say.
1: Yeah, he, he came back into the game in the second half, uh, but definitely the first half was was not his best work. And I mean Juventus as a whole. To be fair to him, did not have a good first half, and they didn't have a good first half against Napoli either. Um, and as you you were commenting last night saying that Piero looked at a bit of a loss. I mean, he, he looked even a bit dishevelled, which a man who's usually obviously very well groomed. Uh, perhaps that tells a bit of a story. But what, what do you think is going on for him at the moment?
0: Juventus took a lot of uh, flack in the last few days in Italian media with regards to their insistence on passing it out from the back. Now. Um, this is a big discussion, and in theory, the, the numbers are in your favor. The more you play it from the back, the more you can um, get into attacking situations. Pirlo claimed after the game that he, he doesn't have any players up top who can hold the ball up, but for a start, I think um, passing it from the back just for the sake of passing it from the back is, is kind of suicidal, and besides, Ronaldo and Morata up front in, are quite big lads. They, they should be able to bring a ball down or two, and... Considering I just mentioned Ronaldo, you have to mention that in both the Napoli game and in this game, uh, the Porto game, he was very anonymous. You are kind of uh, slaves to him. If he plays great, then the team does great. But once he kind of sticks himself in a rut, uh, the whole team suffers. There was an in- interesting uh, episode in the Porto game where he kind of dribbled past one player and ran into his own player and, and obviously got pissed off. It, it doesn't show that his teammate knows where he should be standing. It doesn't show that Ronaldo trusts his teammates to, to just pass them the ball. So yeah, the nightmarish defending had something to do with it. But as a whole, as you said, the Juventus squad didn't perform with the exception of maybe one or two players.
1: Yeah, Ronaldo did look pretty anonymous. I think after about half an hour, I said that when Juve are attacking, I can't even see him on the screen. Um, but I mean, we're talking about this as if it was a bad result, which I think it was a bad result, but at the same time, 2-1 away in the Champions League, it's still very, you know, you wouldn't bet against Juventus qualifying, would you? And um, the the goal that Chies- probably Chiesa was the one silver lining from Juve, you, you, you were impressed with him, weren't you, Kenny?
2: Yeah, not just in in this game, but in the the Napoli game as well. Uh, it just seems like everything dangerous that that Juve created came came through him. He wasn't scared to to look for the ball. He was always showing, even when you know the chips were down, just like full of full of energy. Great great finish. But um, Boaz actually and I were chatting in the WhatsApp group uh, earlier, kind of. Boaz feels perhaps it was slightly fortuitous. Um I, I remember I can't remember if it was I think it was either Perez or Thierry Henry who apparently had made sort of a, a, a skill of doing this, hitting the ball into the ground. I thought it was I thought it was a great finish. Uh, I thought he was great. I agree with you that two one is a a decent result for for Juventus especially given the way the game went however i do think that juve should have had a, a stonewall penalty at the, at the end there on uh, on ronaldo and uh, i'm i'm not sure why that didn't go to var
1: yeah it was a funny one wasn't it I mean, we were we all talking about it as it happened and uh, the the explanation at least on the the broadcast that we were watching kenny was that ronaldo was falling over anyway so it's not a foul i'm not convinced he was falling over and i'm also not sure that makes it not a foul
2: yeah i agree. on both on both counts i agree i think perhaps he was going to going to ground but not it's not like he slipped and had completely lost his sort of sense of balance i mean perhaps he might have had to sort of put hand down Um, He had absolutely no one uh, around him, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't see, uh, if the the defender completely wipes you out, it doesn't really matter if you're off balance or not. If he wipes you out, it's a a penalty. Um, I thought it was a penalty.
0: As part of his post-match commentary, uh, uh, interviews, Pirlo said that the ref had told him that, that he'd whistled the final whistle before the foul was committed,
1: which sounded a bit weak to me. But we've seen them given after time.
0: Exactly. With the, with the Man United precedent earlier in the season, I think th- yeah. that should have been given. Uh, I just want to touch on the goal before, because Kenny, said, Kenny mentioned me, but I'm not sure I felt it was fortuitous in the sense that I think he did what he meant to do. But I think he had to get it exactly right to bounce over the defender and go go into the corner, not go too high, not go left or right. It's, I'm not saying it was lucky, but it's one of those one in ten chances, one one in five, let's say.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we've probably talked a bit too long about this game. So let's, uh, let's move on to the Milan derby. Milan were actually in action this evening, Vaz, weren't they? How did they get on against Red Star in the end? I saw they were 2-1 up.
0: They were 2-1 up until the 93rd minute and they conceded a goal of a quite dodgy corner against a 10-man Red Star team who seemed slightly off the pace. So um, more problems for Milan in the build-up for the derby.
1: Yeah, that's so. That's two bad results because they obviously lost to Spezia the weekend to give up at least temporarily the uh, Scudetto crown. What what happened there, and uh, how how are you feeling, sort of ahead of the Derby?
0: I was fairly confident about the Derby before the Spezia game. Let's put it this way: Milan have been have not been performing to the best of their ability, but they've been getting results. And it seemed like everything was building up towards these two games, this midweek game in Europe and then the Derby. The loss against Spezia froze a spanner into that theory because it shows that maybe Milan were slightly lucky or at least uh, were making the most of their chances. But it would be wrong to discuss the Spezia-Milan game without giving some warranted attention to Spezia, who generally outplayed Milan. A cutting statistic is that Milan didn't even have a shot on target in the whole game. Vincenzo Italiano I'm, this is, I'm giving him so much respect I'm not even calling him Vinny Italian um really got his tactics right they were pressing Milan all over the pitch they weren't letting uh, the likes of Calianoglu and Benacer to get on the ball they had uh, in the in Guian they had a guy who was he was an on fury he was a striker but really he was all over the right wing and uh, as i said they they outplayed Milan out-tacticked them And Milan seemed to be idealist. So kudos to Spezia. And uh, I think, as I said, the tendency would be to focus on Milan in this circumstance. But I I think it it would be wrong. Having said that, Milan were absolutely shocking. The midfield was non-existent. Zlatan was just getting angry and not really contributing much. And um, the same can be said for today. There was a lot of inconsistencies. There were players who were on paper key players, uh, like Romagnoli, who committing, com- who were committing silly mistakes, and um, it doesn't bode well for the Scudetto, particularly when you consider that Inter are on a roll.
1: Yeah, and and we're going to talk about Inter in a second, but before we do, you've been praising Spezia. I think we need to put some special attention onto their medical staff, the attention they gave to Saponara.
0: So Spezia had a free kick for their second goal, and which they were arguing was a penalty. So there were things were already heating up and they ended up scoring from this free kick. And all the players ran towards the corner flag. And for some reason, Saponara decided to pull the his teammates trousers down uh, and his shorts down and played the bongos on the, his uh, backside. <laughs> so Saponara is king of the bongos.
1: <laughs> I was, I, from the pictures you thought you sent, I thought that it was like a physio that had been doing that, but it was one of his teammates. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's Sapanaya and it's funny because we gave him an honourable mention a few weeks back for a deaf chip, but clearly he's a he's an eccentric <laughs> off the field
1: as well as on the field. Excellent stuff. Okay, uh, completely lost my train of thought with that. Very hard to follow that up. <laughs> right.
2: Could I just jump on, jump in before we do uh, do move on and say that there is uh, a, a sort of caveat to to Milan's. Uh, Performance. They were without Calabria, who obviously isn't um, by himself going to you know turn turn this game into a win. Um, but also the and uh, Chalanoglu coming back into the side after lengthy spells out. So if I'm if 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 I was a Milan fan going into the derby, uh, the one silver silver lining from this game that I'd take would be that at least those two have got uh some playing time uh, under the belts. I know that Benasser started today. I'm not sure sure did uh, Celanoglu come on off the bench at all, but uh He
0: came on very late.
2: Yeah, so that that will be, you know, I, I think we might see a slightly different uh, Milan side going into the derby.
0: It's a derby, so it's completely unpredictable and ironically usually the team who are doing worse are the ones who end up winning. But uh and I think Kenny touches on an important point that for the first time in months, Milan have uh, almost full squad available. It, it's slightly ironic that when they have all the squad, after kind of s- scrapping with youth players and p- players who are under 20, who ha- shouldn't be in the first team squad usually, and uh, and kind of getting results suddenly when they have the, the right players, let's call them, uh, they couldn't get a win against Spezia. But such is life, I suppose.
1: Yeah, as you say, form often out the window in derbies, to use a, a football cliche. But I mean, th- this one is really kind of the rivalry is really really heating up, isn't it? As we've discussed in, in previous weeks with all of the off-field antics. Um, but apart from all that, Inter are in really good form. They're on a bit of a roll, um, and we should we should probably say something about Lukaku, who's really been uh, really been finding the mark in, in recent weeks.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lukaku's uh, performance at the the weekend against Lazio was absolutely sensational. And I don't think it's a a coincidence that when he's out of the the team as he was in the Coppa Italia, they struggle. uh, When he's in there, he gives them a real focal point. But I mean, just to say that he's a focal point completely undersells it because he 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 basically is the player that turns them into scudetto contenders scudetto favorites wherever you you, you might have them uh, but yeah th- th- i mentioned that sort of blip in the in the Coppa Italia but they're on a really really good uh, run of results in the league that's they've got three wins in three they've got five wins in in six they've had a, a difficult spell of games when you factor in the the quality of opposition that they've had in Serie A and in the uh, Coppa Italia, they've come out of it in uh, pole position. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, and it will be very interesting to see how um, Chiar and uh, Romagnoli deal with, uh, with Lukaku. I think that could be, that could be key to where, where the bragging rights go.
1: And perhaps no coincidence that this uh, run of good form has come with the reintroduction to Christian Eriksen into the starting lineup.
0: We were there all along. We've, we were backing this move.
2: Yeah, I'm delighted to see him in there as a as someone who was very sad to see him leave Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I mean, he seems to finally be getting a proper chance. I know Conte had said before when uh, when Eriksson was a persona non grata um, that he had had plenty of chances. Uh, but now he seems to be getting a, a decent uh, crack of the whip. And I have to say that that midfield, uh, Brazovic, Eriksson, Baralla is uh, the things that dreams are made of, really. And I think perhaps now uh, i've never been convinced by this story that inter just have the best squad on paper but um, when you also see perisic actually beginning to kind of uh really settle into that position uh, on as left midfielder left wing back whatever you want to to call it um hakimi on the on the right those three in midfield their three center backs uh Lukaku and Lautaro up top. I think there's a real obvious first eleven. Uh, so long as Conte sees sense and keeps picking Eriksen over an aged uh, Arturo Vidal.
1: Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be, well, hopefully, um, the last time I said the game was going to be a cracker on here. I think it was, uh, what, we bigged up a game that was the only game with no goals a couple of weeks ago, didn't oh, we? You know, Torino-Genoa. Torino-Genoa. Yeah. Last
0: weekend, yeah. It was a good game. <laughs>
1: So I don't want to oversell it, but I'm definitely excited for this one. Sunday Sunday afternoon, 4pm, that might be Eastern European time. Uh, But following that is Atalanta-Napoli, which is another game that we need to talk about. uh, Because Napoli, we spoke about Gattuso's job being under pressure. And um, obviously they got the win against Juve. And they're currently in action against Granada. We'll give you an update at the end, but I believe they're currently losing.
0: It's just finished, um, literally as we're recording. It ended two 0 They conceded two goals within three minutes in the sec- in the first half.
2: I was actually going to say that there appeared to be a bit of a a ceasefire, or a thawing in the uh, rela- the relationship between uh, De Laurentiis and uh, Gattuso after that Juve result, with Gattuso kind of towing the the sort of company line, and uh, De Laurentiis apparently. Um, not as as livid as he was before but we'll see how that holds up i guess in the coming days
1: yeah and obviously napoli do have a lot of injuries um or a lot of a lot of players out As uh, i think we said before that um koulibaly's got covid and um several people I know the the goalkeeper of uh,
2: Ospina yeah
1: Ospina was injured in the warm up wasn't he
2: and yeah i mean they're they're high profile players as well Mertens is still out uh, Manolas as you mentioned Koulibaly and um, Ospina uh, Lozano uh, they actually travelled to to this game against uh, Granada with uh, just 12 fit outfield uh, players and with six youth team players so I do think that has to be factored into things as well. I mean, Gattuso really is up against it, um, but nonetheless, uh, very, very, yeah, very, very disappointing result, obviously for for them. And I think the I think it has to be said as well that one of the negative points from Atalanta's uh, stance has been that they have struggled when they've had these back-to-back games, getting that consistency. Um, this week, unusually, Atalanta have had a week to prepare for this game. Uh, Napoli haven't. Napoli have all of these injury problems. So you would think it would be um, advantage Atalanta, but uh, this Napoli team seem to perform best when their backs really are against the wall. So we'll, who knows?
1: Yeah, but you, you say that, but obviously Atalanta having some injury problems of their own. So, uh, Hataba, apparently, out of a metatarsal injury, won't be available. Um, so, obviously, one of those other full-backs.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Hattabora is, uh, out, and that is a huge blow for, for Atalanta, but they've got uh, Mele, who has actually, I, I've been quite impressed with uh, when he has been playing, uh, and I think Hattabora is actually the only person on the, the injury list for, for Atalanta. So, with a week to prepare and an almost full squad to pick from, that's a bit of a luxury that Gasperini hasn't had for a while uh but they have been very inconsistent so i would hesitate to kind of immediately put them down as favorites but a hugely hugely important game it could be the one that ends up deciding who finishes in uh, even in the champions league spots i mean depending on on how roma and uh lazio fare as well but uh yeah probably the second best game of the weekend
0: and kenny touches on a great point here because last week with uh juve and napoli facing off and Milan having a supposedly easy fixture against Spezia where, and Inter playing Lazio. We thought it might have been a pivotal week for Milan. Instead, Inter have taken the top spot. And this is the kind of season this is. And it it's all there for the taking
1: still. Yeah, and as you say, Kenny, probably the second best uh, game of this weekend. We don't have time to talk about all of the others. Uh, but others to highlight are uh, Cagliari-Torino. Um, Torino obviously coming into this one off the back of five draws. Um, but they've been under some some better form under under the new manager, uh, coming back from three goals down against Atalanta. Um, and it's it's a key game because if Cagliari win, then uh, Torino will drop into the relegation zone. Also wanted to highlight from last weekend Sassuolo, who uh, beat Crotone 2-1 away. Um, and it was their first win in seven games since the, the game against Genoa back in January when uh, Berardi got injured. And uh, shows what a key player is because he came back into this one and scored a goal. Uh, and Sassuolo play uh, Bologna on Saturday night. Uh, so another one to look out for. Um, the other game, which I've just watched this evening, is uh, Braga Roma. Uh have to say, we didn't learn much new about Roma from this one. They, uh, they in the end, were comfortable winners. At least the result shows 2 0. Uh, but they probably made pretty They made pretty hard work, this one.
0: And Zeko returned to the score sheet, which is great news for all parties
1: involved. Yeah, obviously he's been listening to our podcast and, and wanted to prove us wrong. Okay, good week, bad week. I think we've probably got some fairly obvious choices, especially for bad week, given that we've just been speaking about what a bad week Juventus have had. Uh, uh, any other nominations or are we we happy to stick with them?
2: I'm happy with you, Uwe. Uh Yeah, not a great week. We
0: gave Milan last week, so they're, they're out
1: of contention. And how about the good week? Who, who's impressed us
2: this week? It has to be Spezia. They
0: played fantastic.
2: Yeah, agree. Agree. Hands down.
1: Okay, it's a quick fire round this week, but um, I think that makes sense. So good week Spezia, bad week Juventus. Nice one. I think that, that's it for this section. So we will move on to the honourables and dishonourables. Uh, but as you want to kick us off with some birthday wishes.
0: Yeah, at the time of uh, recording, it is uh, Roberto Baggio's uh, birthday, and obviously he is the divine ponytail for m- many people. It's just a player who is synonymous with Serie A for a lot of fans, and also synonymous with the Azzui team. Uh, my, my personal first memories of him are in Italia Novanta, where he absolutely rocked that tournament, along with uh, Toto Skidachi. but perhaps the where he really won my heart over was at Italy at the USA 94 where he basically dragged the Italy side scoring one goal in every round and kind of bring them all the way to the final. Some fans like to remember him for that missed penalty, but Italy would have never been in that situation without him. He's one of the few players who's managed to play for Juve, Inter, uh, Milan. He also played for for Fiorentina who hate Juventus as well. And uh, nonetheless he's universally loved by all italian fans and funnily enough his arguably his best career goal doesn't come with for one of these massive clubs but it came for Brescia with a amazing pass from a very young andrea pirlo so uh, happy birthday robbie baggio you're you're a legend
2: yeah and i guess just to uh to prove your point boaz as an atalanta fan despite the fact that the uh, baggio Played for for Brescia, uh, absolutely no no negative effect on my my love for the player. Uh, one of my all time favorite players.
1: And Kenny, do you want to go ahead and, and give an honourable to another legend of Italian football?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Quagliarella. Uh, so this is a, an honourable mention just for Quagliarella scoring uh, his ninety second Serie a goal for Sampdoria, which makes him the tied uh, second top. Serie A goal scorer of all time for Sampdoria.
1: Good stuff. Uh, but as, on a slightly more serious note, do you want to uh, give us your honourable for Gressler?
0: Yeah, Andrea Gressler is a Hellas Verona Primavera player and uh, he was electrocuted uh, a few weeks back at a party with some friends. He reached out for some train lines or something like this uh, and fell four metres. Obviously, he had some terrible injuries and uh, for a while it looked like he might even lose his life, but uh, apparently, at the time of recording, he w- he just woke up from a coma. Obviously, he has a long way for recovery, but it's it's great news. And apparently, he's a lovely lad, and all the first team at Verona were deeply struck by this.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously, we wish him all the best. Um, and just uh, to lighten the tone a little bit, Kenny, do you want to want to give us uh, a, a dishonorable for the uh, criticism of Ossiman this week?
2: Yeah, so this I think was led by a um, uh, a pundit that a lot of Napoli Napoli fans in in Italy will be familiar with, uh, Umberto Cariello. Uh, but I think a lot of uh, well, some other factions of the Napoli sport uh, jumped on the bandwagon, criticizing Osimen for posing for pictures with Ronaldo and Buffon to childhood heroes of his. I believe after after Napoli's victory against Juventus which makes us all the more ridiculous Cariello went on record saying um, does he not realize that he's playing in Serie A now what is he doing posing for pictures with these guys I mean I have a little I have a little bit of, bit of humanity uh, and kind of lighten up a little bit and you know, realize that for, for some players who get to this level, it's a, it's a dream come true and it's something to, to be celebrated rather than derided.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, you need to have a healthy disrespect for them on the pitch, but I don't see a problem with
2: that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it kind of is it, right. It's healthy that um, your rivals when you're on the field and when, when that stops your professionals and you respect each other. I mean, that's how we would all want Professional footballers to kind of view each other. In my view, it's not war.
1: (laughs) I've got another honourable for uh, Ante Rebic this week, and it's not as Barz believes because I'm the founder of his fan club. There's a story in the Croatian media that he's paid off the debts of all the people from his village. Don't know how many people are in his village, but seems like a nice gesture. And he's also donated money for the development of an institute for the education and rehabilitation of children so not only can he kick a ball really really hard uh, seems (laughs) like a good guy as well so honorable mention
2: and honorable mention to uh one of our listeners Serge, as well for bringing this uh to to our attention
0: he's also part of the fan club i'm sure
1: (laughs) yeah co-founder um (laughs) kenny uh you've got a fan club for Virati.
2: Yeah, honourable mention for Marco Verratti for his man of the match performance for uh, PSG in their four-one win against Barca at the Camp Nou of all of all places. Uh, I know that he's not a Serie A player, uh, but an integral part of the Azzurri setup, uh, and I think often an underrated player. Uh, so absolutely an honourable mention for him for his performance there. And
0: PSG are slightly Atzulie tinged, anyways, with uh, Moise Kane and uh, Florenzi, who had a great game. So uh, it's it's good. It bodes well for the Azzurri at Euro
1: 2020. Speaking of Italian strikers, Baz, you've got another.
0: Uh, normally, I wouldn't give an honourable mention for someone for scoring a penalty, but since we gave uh, Insigne a dishonourable mention for ta- for missing his third penalty against Juve, I believe. Uh, we have to give him an honourable mention for having balls of steel for stepping up and taking what ended up being a winning penalty against Juventus. And more to the point, the one he missed uh, was in the in the cup. So uh, I think scoring in the league and getting the free points is probably slightly more important on the balance of things.
1: Yes, good. And uh, Kenny, what have we got here? One for Luis Muriel.
2: Yeah, Luis Muriel, who scored a a cracker at the the weekend to rescue uh, all three points for Atalanta against Cagliari in what was a game that really, really they, they toiled in. Um, but this is uh, also for the for the fact that he becomes the tenth uh, highest Atalanta goal scorer of all time. And uh, an interesting uh, sort of anecdote to this is that. Uh, three out of Atalanta's top 10 goal scorers of all time currently play in in the side. And that would be four had Papu Gomez not moved on to Sevilla. Um, so just an indication of how this Atalanta team ranks. That um, Yeah, I mean, just goals galore um, in, in terms of sort of in historical terms. Um, so honorable mention for, for Luis Muriel for me.
1: Fair play. And as we missed uh, Valentine's Day, uh, I think, Baz, you've got, I mean, happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners, uh, but Baz, you've got a, a specific honourable for this.
0: We mentioned uh, Arcadius Milik's uh, social media output a few weeks ago when he left Napoli and posted an emotional video. Um, obviously, Napoli is still in his heart because he posted, uh, on Valentine's Day, he posted a picture of him and Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis with a big pink heart around it, them hugging. And it says hashtag memories, hashtag happy St. Valentine. So, uh, top trolling from Arcadius.
1: Good stuff. And, uh, for another romantic story that I've got for this honorable mention, uh, it came to our attention this week that Delict has been wearing the same boots that, uh, he beat Real Madrid in when playing for Ajax back in, was it April 2019? Yeah, something like uh, that. They look pretty battered. Um, and apparently Adidas was begging him to change them. Uh, but I thought that was quite nice. Uh, and just to end on something completely ridiculous, Baz.
0: Yeah, I'd like to give uh, this honourable mention to Gigi Sertor for getting caught with 106 plants of marijuana. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: the emphasis is is on the getting caught.
0: Definitely. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sartor is a former Juventus, Inter, Roma and Parma defender. He's actually got quite a lot of uh, trophies under his belt. He won a few Coppa Italia's. He won the UEFA Cup when it still existed with Juventus, Inter and Parma. But clearly his uh, off the field antics have, uh, are a lot more, um, let's say, green thumb focused. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, on the twelfth of February, he was arrested. Apparently, there was a very strong smell from a warehouse where him and his mate were seen coming in and out several times. Lucky <laughs> mate, um, what can I say? He was uh, very quick on the grass in, in football, and he's very quick on the grass outside of the game. <laughs> uh,
2: maybe, maybe slow on
0: the grass outside of the game. Yeah, yeah he wasn't
1: uh, fantastic. And on that note, that's definitely all we've got time for this week. Uh please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you next week. Until then, enjoy the football.
0: That
2: is
1: Papa
0: was king on the bongo. Mama was king on the bongo. Living on his bongo bongo. <laughs> <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. hello?